0: This is the Bama Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today, we are addressing the Twitter-sized elephant in the room, talking about how we each use social media and considering ways all of us can engage this part of our world in a healthy way.
1: Yeah, this is a bonus episode again. I love bonus content.
0: Yeah. So much fun. We, we don't do a lot of, like, record it and then release it. And even this is, like, our turnaround time is several days, which is pretty long for timely... Types of newsy podcasts, but um,
1: we're usually a good two or three months out when we record. Yes, today we're recording for just a few days away.
0: Well, and speaking of bonus episodes and when this is being released, which is Monday, that's a segue. Things like that, uh, and we've never done this before either. But we um, are—we're putting out a poll, a little survey um, that we would like you to participate in. The link will be in the show notes. And we, you know, we mentioned a few episodes ago on um, our Tohu VaVohu episode <laughs> that we we have a brainstorming planning retreat coming up um, in the first of the year. We're thinking about different types of content that we can do, um, different formats, different mediums. But we know we have a lot of podcast listeners who apparently like podcasts because you're listening to a podcast, and so we want to do more podcast content. And how do we structure that? And we've had a lot of internal debate as to whether that should be one podcast with more episodes or two podcasts with different types of content in each one. And I, I think we we have some pretty good ideas of the pros and cons of each of those approaches. And, you know, we each have our hunches as to what is going to be better for everyone. But uh I think it would be a good idea to actually hear from podcast listeners about you know how you how you listen to podcasts what you find important um the The first page is is really just about that core question should we have one podcast with more stuff or should we break it out into separate podcasts
1: because the idea here is that we're gonna make more content like I think that's one of the things that's that... not that's not the question that's not the question we are gonna make more content. The question is whether or not we put it on the same feed, or do we keep a Bible-centric feed and then put everything else? Because we want to do things like fun things, and whether it's just a humorous episode, we want to be able to try stuff and experiment with things. It might be a couple episodes a week. It might be one episode a week. Who knows? But we want to be able to do different kinds of stuff. So do we want it on the same? Would podcast listeners like yourself want it in the same spot, or would you like it in a different spot so that's what we're that's the core question that we're going for here
0: and then we just have like some just some general survey ideas of like do you like this type of content do you like this type of content do you not like this type of content and um, I don't we haven't quite nailed down all of the things we're going to be asking about it's pretty short Uh, it should be pretty easy but really just that first page you can fill out that first page and then just pencil whip it all the way to submission and, Uh and that, but if you want to give us some more thoughts and even the third page has a, just a free form field. If you have, you know, completely different thoughts that you want to share Um, either way, we would just love to hear from everyone. Um, So please take a few minutes and fill that out. Um, We have lots, lots
1: of things coming. Well said. I I don't even have anything to add. I thought it was (laughs) a good idea to ask the, we were, we all were trying to like, we think the listeners would want this. We think that, and we just thought, why not ask the listeners themselves? So here we are asking.
0: Here we are. So today's objective is to, uh, and this is, this is feels particularly um, timely in that the most recent episode we released, I was really at whatever moment we recorded that. I don't remember when, when we recorded that, but I was just really uncomfortable and dancing around the whole Twitter plug at the end of our episode. And I hate it. I don't want to I don't want to do this. Um so I I just want to address it. And at this point, I'm going to continue saying it at the end of episode every episode we record until the whole thing falls apart or we leave or whatever, I don't know. Um and maybe I'll have to try to edit around that. I don't know. But I hate just not being able to just say it and just be comfortable with it. So we want to address it. And I think you know, we are recording this Thursday afternoon, December 15th. Even in the last day and a half, Elon has backtracked or continued to operate against previous statements regarding free speech and Tesla. Um, You can see, uh, I'll have a couple of links. Uh, There's going to be a lot of links in this show notes because I have all kinds of sources here for what I'm talking about. But Um, he said that, you know, he's so committed to free speech that he's going to even let the account that posts about where his private jet is flying continue on the platform. And then of course he got rid of it. And even that has gone back and forth in the last 24 hours, uh, as far as like, oh, well, we'll, we'll reinstate your account and you can continue to post those things, but you have to put a 24 hour delay on it it's like, this is all public information. It's absolutely ridiculous, but whatever. Like this is, this is an active news story. And then the other thing is he said he was not going to sell any more Tesla stock to fund Twitter. And he has sold Tesla stock three times since then, the most recent sale going through this week. So it's just this, this Twitter story is evolving so much, so often. And I don't know what's going to happen when we're recording two or three months in advance. I don't know what's going to happen. So at some point, the whole thing might blow up. Maybe not. But if it does, you might hear me mention Twitter a few more times at the end of an episode. And, you know, just just know that um, we are aware of what's going on. We are attempting to balance all of these things, and uh, it's just its just a big, quickly evolving story at this point.
1: Yeah, it does. It feels like you're like, okay, now I know where things sit, and then within the next day, you're like, everybody's convinced Twitter's no longer going to exist, and then it's there, and then it feels like it's going to be there forever, but then, the ne- yeah, it just changes so often, and poor Brent Billings feels so bad every single time he has to end an episode and figure out, am I supposed to say this or not? So here we are. We're, we're going to say it. And we'll deal with it later, if we need to. Yeah. So
0: in the early days of the takeover, there was the whole conversation about advertisers who didn't want to use the platform. And here's the deal: when you're when you're buying an, and this is this is my own discomfort, <laughs> uh, when you're buying an ad or when you're promoting something, you want to know how it's going to be presented. You want to know what's going to appear above and below it. Uh, you want to know how it's going to perform. You're putting real money into this advertisement. You, you want to know how it's going to perform more or less. And a lot of people made predictions about what were going to happen. Uh, some of those predictions were right. Some were wrong, but either way, it was clear that things were changing. Like Elon had ideas, obviously. And that uncertainty is not a friendly environment for advertisers. And there's, there's more recent problems. Like, uh, it, it, There was a report that uh, Twitter hasn't been paying rent on its offices (laughs) and they're not paying bills for flights that they've chartered. And uh, apparently they're toying with the idea of not paying out severance that they've promised to former employees. And maybe none of those issues are the end of the world for Twitter as a service, Uh, but they aren't really signs of a healthy situation either. So it's just it's just weird and uncomfortable <laughs> that's right
1: and we're not trying to figure out the crystal ball of social media platforms to figure out where we're going or anything I, i'm still on twitter i still enjoy the platform as it sits today you just never know what it's going to look like tomorrow
0: yeah so the the essence of twitter and what makes it valuable to so many people um or at least to the the types of people that i have a tendency to interact with um, seems to be misunderstood by Elon. He has his own ideas and that's fine. Um, he had the money, he spent it like that. It's, it's a private company. Uh, it has been publicly traded, but even in publicly traded, it was a private company. Like it's always been a private company. Like they can do what they're going to do. Um, but like the blue check issue, like there is value in being able to verify the identity of certain types of people. Would it also be valuable for someone who isn't notable enough or in the right industry to be able to pay and have a verified identity, like actually verified, not just have the, have a check mark, but to, to show that you've paid, but to actually have a verified identity, like, yeah. And I would probably do that if uh, if the system wasn't so weird. It's still That is still in flux. Um, maybe it's getting better. They just rolled out their second attempt at the Twitter blue service, and there's a, a wider variety of things. Um, but we have to see how that goes. And then Twitter has, it's like, you know, social problems is hate speech increasing. Yes, it does seem to be the raw numbers suggest that it is, um, is that level exaggerated? Yeah, probably. Um, I've got another link to an article, um, that was commenting on a, the New York times report and, uh, there, they gave the raw numbers of what hate speech are. But then when you contrast it to the 800 million tweets a day number, it's like, oh, the denominator makes a pretty big difference here. It's like, yes, it is doubled or 50% higher or 75% higher in these different categories. But it's also a denominator of 800 million compared to a few thousand. So yes, uh, it is increasing, but maybe that's exaggerated, but It's also a matter of perception. Like, does it really matter if Twitter has a problem when people think it has a problem?
1: That's a pretty good point. Perception is so much of reality, right? And the reality is that people have left Twitter. Um,
0: A number of the earliest voices that I have followed on Twitter, um, a lot of tech nerds, uh, they've left. Um, Other voices that I haven't followed, uh, but which I've seen come across my feed, in some way or another, uh, with relative frequency are also leaving. Um, 14% of the people that I follow on Twitter have moved to Mastodon and seem to be using it actively. So far, I'm not using Mastodon actively, but, but the people who have moved have like actually moved, like maybe they still have an active Twitter account, but they're not, they're not using it as much and they are actively using Mastodon. So that's all tech nerds. Uh, But for me, that's a big part of why I use Twitter. So at some point, I may have to pay a lot more attention to Mastodon because that's where half of what I use Twitter for is using. So um, Twitter also has technical problems, potentially Um, nothing major so far, but there's a lot of things that could happen. Their systems are wildly complex. And It's hard to say at this point what the remaining employees know or don't know. So when something critical goes down and the people who know how to fix it have left or they've been fired, what is it going to take to bring it back? And, you know, people can argue with me or anyone else about the likelihood of such a failure, but we can't really predict that. Like there's still like it, it, this whole thing is, is still relatively new and there's, There's a lot of potential that could happen there. Like it could just blow up one day and and like literally nobody can get on for a week and it, and it takes them. And we've seen big outages like that. When Amazon servers go down, it's, it's everybody on the internet knows about it because it affects everything. Like if Twitter goes down, people are going to know about it. And if they can't get it back up within an hour or two, it's going to be a huge story. And you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But I will say that spam has gone down quite a bit, uh, especially in the last few weeks. Uh, I used to get one or two app mentions a week that um, is it was, it was usually a quote tweet of like several other accounts. And it was linking to somebody else's tweet for a crypto scam of some sort or another. So I haven't really seen much of that. Uh, but my notifications have been absolutely ridiculous. Uh, full of tweets for people that I follow tweets of people that I don't follow. And I don't, I don't really understand why I'm getting all of these. Uh, Twitter has a feature where you can set up notifications for an account. So like I can know every time Marty tweets, it's like, great, but I've told Twitter that. So when I get that notification, I'm expecting it. I'm not expecting my notifications to be filled with all of these other things that I'm sometimes interested in, sometimes not interested in, but it's just clogging up my notifications and kind of making them useless. Um, so I don't know. It, it, is, that, uh, is that really better than than the occasional crypto spam tweet? I don't know. And and just a few hours before recording, I actually got a crypto scam in my DMs. So apparently it never ends. They're finding new ways to get to me somehow. So what are we doing in the meantime? We're still using Twitter. Um, and I can easily understand why some people have left. But enough people do remain that it still has value for me specifically. It still has value for Marty. And I, I totally get it. Like Elon Musk has a bunch of successes. But, but by most accounts, he seems like a really terrible person to work for. <laughs> um, I tweeted recently he, he found some shirts uh, and he modified, it was like, uh, it's like hashtag stay woke or something like that. And he modified the shirts and made new ones that said hashtag stay at work. And it's like, yeah, somebody really ought to tell Elon about Sabbath. Um, so look, we all have things that we're going to stand for. Uh, but if we took a principled stand on everything, we really wouldn't have much left to do because the world is complicated. There's a lot of different people involved in a lot of things like you can hate Elon, but he probably has a bunch of employees who really do care about Twitter and about the, like the way it's set up to communicate with people. So, you know, at this point we're staying.
1: Yeah. It's still a platform. I, yeah, I can see it changing. I can sense it changing. By and large, the platform still is what it is for me. I mean, social media is good because it allows us to connect with other people. I mean, that's for me, that's what's so valuable about social media. I love how Twitter gives me information. I've always preferred it as a social media platform. I love the way the timeline works. I love 128, 240, whatever it is, character, uh, sound bites. Um, I just love the way it functions and still do. However, if nobody's there anymore... I'll go where people are so that we can connect. That's why why I'm on social media. I'm on social media to connect, to share information, to promote things, to help others and promote other stuff. So I'll be on Twitter as long as it's productive to be in that space. And and, uh, it's really us that make up these social media platforms even more than necessarily the personalities or it's really the us. It's the us nature that makes it as long as we understand what's going on with the us. But nevertheless, uh, so I'll be there. I'll be there until it's until that's no longer where everybody's out.
0: Yeah. One of the things I, I love most about Twitter is the ability to use a third party app. And I think that's yeah. a pretty small fraction of the user base. But if Elon decides he's going to cut that off, uh, that would change my experience of it pretty dramatically. And, you know, the official app exists. It works. <laughs> um, but there there's some plans apparently that uh, they want to require constant location tracking and um like i i would have a pretty tough time sticking around if i was unable to use my third party app and i had to share my location like if i had to share my location all the time like i'm probably not gonna do that and i know people have different lines on where they feel comfortable about privacy but i'm not i'm not okay with that i don't think so I don't know. Um, What I will say is like what got me into Twitter in the first place is I love the asymmetric nature of it. I can follow you and you don't have to follow me and vice versa. Correct. Uh, I aggressively curate my timeline. I have so many dear friends who I don't follow. And like, that's okay. Yep. (laughs) Um, I can still like I can I can know of a friend who's interested in something and I can tweet at them without having to follow them. Yep. And so it, it just makes it easy to share stuff with others. And I, I like the public nature of it. So I can share something with Marty and people who follow both of us can see it. And they're like, Oh, that's really interesting. Brent thought Marty would be interested in that, but I'm actually interested in that too. And, and you get to be a part of that if, you know, if that's where you are. Um, I love the, the brevity of the platform. I love the emphasis on text. Um, not biblical text, but just r- actual <laughs> written word.
1: <laughs> little T text.
0: Yeah, I've always loved the writing challenge of getting my idea within the character limit. That's um, mm-hmm. a little bit less challenging with 280 versus 140, but either way, it can still be a challenge. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, tweet threads have changed this a little bit, but you know that single, well-crafted tweet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It, like, there's just something to that, and most most uh, content is still within that format. Um, then we've got the whole algorithmic timeline idea. Uh, Twitter's official apps have an algorithmic timeline, but they've, uh, there's usually been a way to switch it back. Um, like I said, I use a third party app. I use Twitterific and I've never had to, um, I've never had to fight to have a chronological timeline. It's always been in the order that the tweets come in. Uh, it remembers where I'm at. So I'm not like jump to the top. All the time, I'm not driven by this algorithm, and then of course the icing on the cake, which is why it seems like Elon would shut down third party clients, is that there's no promoted tweets, there's no ads in my Twitter feed. All I see are the tweets from the people I actually follow. Um, so it's beautiful. Um, Instagram is sort of like that. It does have that asymmetry to it. Uh, but they're they're pretty pretty heavily invested in their algorithmic timeline um, and and because of that I you know for a long time I just couldn't even use Instagram because I was just following too many people and I, I never felt satisfied using it. so I cut down the number of accounts that I follow to about 70 and even though it's algorithmic and stuff's out of order and like it's a little it's a little weird uh, when people are posting multiple things to like follow stuff because it's it's all jumbled up. Um, but, but I did that and now I can actually keep up with what I'm trying to follow, but they do the algorithm thing because it keeps you in the app longer. They can mix in recommended content more easily. They can learn from your interests and sell advertising with a more detailed idea of what they're actually selling. And remember that you are the product that they're actually selling, um, they're not sharing your information with advertisers. They're saying, Hey, I've got, I, I can give you, you know, a thousand people who are interested in this. It's like, Oh great. That's what I'm trying to sell. But they don't, they don't share that information. They keep that information because that's valuable, but you're the product.
1: Makes me think of the social dilemma. I did a YouTube on the social dilemma documentary that was, Oh yes. Perfect. Yeah. We'll throw that in the show notes. It's fun.
0: But even then Instagram is like foiling my, my plans because you know, a few weeks ago they decided to. Not only um, show things in an algorithmic way, but if I open up the app and there's nothing new among the people I follow, then they're going to just mix up my old content and show me something different. So now every time I open the app, my brain has to look at something and try to figure out if I've actually seen that before. Is this something new? Do I need to scroll? And of course, it's all this drive to get you to spend more time in the app more time in the app, more time in the app at all costs, even when it makes for a terrible user experience. And like ugh. I've recently been getting into stand-up comedians on Instagram. Um, I kind of just felt like I needed some more comedy in my life and found out that like, oh, lots of comedians share share clips on Instagram and it's the algorithm is really good at showing me new comedians and new clips. And so I do like that. but I have crawled into bed, And got sucked into watching these reels. And then it's like an hour later. And I've had times where I've sat down for lunch and I open up Instagram and I get sucked into these reels. And it's like an hour and a half later. And I don't feel great at the end of these experiences.
1: Man, don't tell your boss. Don't tell your boss you got sucked into an app on lunch
0: Uh, break. No, I know. And, well, I'm (laughs) I'm running out of things. Um, Instagram is having a hard time showing me new things now. Um, uh, but it's like if if I sat down and watched a one hour comedy special, or if I sat down and watched an hour of reels on Instagram, it is a totally different experience. like you're constantly having to shift your mindset. there's no through line or narrative to what they're talking about. there's no theme like it's just it's just this endless consumption, like an i v line. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And and I don't feel good at the end of it. So, you know, maybe it's uh stand-up comedy is one thing, okay? But other types of content require a different type of attention. Uh maybe something's happening quickly, something's happening in the background. Um, and I was bemoaning this on Twitter the other day. But there's no playback controls for any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like TikTok, mm-hmm. Instagram reels, YouTube shorts. You can't, you can't rewind. You, if you miss something you heard, you gotta watch the whole thing again. Mm-hmm. It's just this. Ugh. There's, there's no control. Like we're meant to sit back and soak in the content. Like, you know, like we, like whoa, we don't need control. Just relax. Trust the algorithm to wash over you with exactly the right mix of things to release all of the chemicals in your brain. Ugh. Um, it's, it's not healthy. So I, I shared a a short thread on, um, Twitter about this recently. And I, I think it's, uh, I think it's worth reading in full here. Quote, one of the dirty secrets of Silicon Valley is called the infinite scroll, which caused a massive boom in usage in every single product. No one talks about it because it is a better user experience, but it is one of the most psychologically destructive things ever to happen to us and it is a blip on our radar it's psychologically destructive for people to not hit walls it literally creates an infinite dopamine response to the act of scrolling while look for looking for something pleasurable which you eventually lose the ability to find doom scrolling a scroll hole is literally like smoking packs of cigarettes at a time it not only destroys your ability to focus it also removes your ability to draw pleasure from other activities, end quote. That's
1: pretty good. That's a pretty good thread.
0: Yeah. So final note on algorithms. Try opening a private browser window where you aren't signed into anything and go to YouTube. And, and it's terrifying. It's like the least common denominator of human interest. They don't know who you are at this point. Uh, there's no cookies. There's no sign-in account. Like there's nothing. They don't know anything. But, but they know, like, what is the most salacious, most intriguing, most infuriating, the most likely to get you to watch more when you're done? And, oh, they're so good at it.
1: And, and then when we end up engaging, like, we end up watching the infuriating stuff, which just tells the algorithm to give us more of the infuriating stuff. Like, we literally create the world, not only of the stuff we love, but we create the world of the stuff that we hate. By simply giving energy, by clicking on the thing, by viewing the auto playback as it goes by. Like the app knows that we just slowed down. So we literally create the world by giving our energy to the stuff that we both love and the stuff that we hate.
0: Yeah. So what do we do in this situation? Because this sounds pretty pretty uh, grim. So I don't know. I can make recommendations based on what I do. And let me tell you. What I do is a struggle, it is absolutely a battle because they don't want you to to work like this um but you have to be so intentional with everything you do. Cut down the number of accounts you follow, except for mine sure
1: <laughs> just kidding you can i mean honestly me
0: <laughs> like if if like i don't tweet about i don't really tweet about the kind of stuff that we talk about on the Bayama podcast if you follow me because you're interested in the stuff on the Bayama podcast. <laughs> Like, don't bother following me. It's totally fine.
1: It's so true. It's so true. You're getting more of this stuff. The stuff we're talking about right now, this is the kind of stuff you get with
0: Brent Billings. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So um, just ruthlessly eliminate that noise. Yeah. And when you get to the end of the feed, get out of there. Resist the urge to look at any other recommended content. Don't autoplay anything. Um, Watch the credits at the end of a movie and process what you've just seen. Don't skip the intro on the show that you're watching. Let that music, let those visuals get you into the right mindset for what you're about to see. Listen to entire albums when you're listening to music. Consume only one thing at a time.
1: Uh, turn on Do Not Disturb. Loving the features of all the uh, focuses I can set on my iPhone. Yeah. So helpful because I can turn off my evenings. I used to get, oh man, it was so hard for me. To, and now my phone just doesn't even go off. Because I tell it not to go off. and It's beautiful.
0: And and I will say, like, it, it can be easy to turn on those features and then still, like, constantly look it's at true. your phone. It's true. <laughs> I've had so many people where I open up a message to them and it's like, oh, they have notification silence delivered quietly. And then, like, within 15 seconds of <laughs> me sending the message, I get a response. It's like, OK. Yeah. And, like, that's fine. Like, you can look at your phone. like but But be aware of that. Like, pay attention to the signals your body and your mind are giving you know when to say enough to, to throw back to our,
1: wow, that sounds like a good episode title. We should,
0: (laughs) this early episode of Baybot. Um, so like that kind of deals with the personal consumption side of it, but, but what about the social interaction side of it? And like, that is the point of social media, right? Like social, Mm -hmm. like we should be Mm -hmm. having social interactions with people. Um, shouldn't we be able to get something out of that aspect of social media It shouldn't be just another content delivery device um for us. And so um Marty, you had a a video the other day where you um were looking at an article about social media beatitudes, and I think we should link to that uh video, but but maybe give me like a like how do we have real human interactions that are valuable and uplifting and like how do we actually use social media for good rather than just letting it destroy us with all of this anxiety
1: yeah it's one of the hardest places to do it in our world and yet it can be one of the easiest places because it's such a controlled space it's such a like I can choose what I engage I can choose how I engage it I can take my time I can social media could be a very beautiful place and it is for many people it's not always a cesspool it's just so easy to become a dumpster fire of human interaction and So, yeah, there there are – and I actually talk about this. This is a constant frustration of mine. Um, Brent's doing a lot of the talking today, but I I share, especially the social aspect of this. So, I mean, I talk about this on my YouTube channel quite a bit, which is the irony. um, But nevertheless, um, I have a video on disagreement that I posted not too long ago. Also about social media and the way we engage that stuff. But it's slowing down. It's remembering that there's a human being involved – and social media should give us the opportunity to, I mean, Brent talks about curating his timeline. This allows us to curate the way we interact with one another, like to choose who I interact with, how I interact with them. I can choose the exact tone, place. So it can be a place where we just slow. I love Brent saying, watch the intros, watch the credits, because A, that's how the art is designed to be consumed but B, it helps us slow down so that we can engage media in a way that's much more metered, intentional, awake, and all those kinds of things. So, yeah, I thought that was well said. I don't know what else I would add, but uh, it's, it's good.
0: Yeah, the intentionality is really the important thing. Like find what find what works. Be aware of of what you're doing, and and be intentional about it. And don't be afraid to to cut something out. Like if you hate how Facebook works, like it's okay to be off Facebook and maybe you still have the account so you can keep up with whatever local group, but like turn off notification, like dig through the settings, turn off notifications, turn off whatever. Like there, it it is hard. It is hard because the world doesn't naturally work that way like our we have instincts, we have things that drive us. Like there's a reason all these companies do the things they do is because it, it does work, but it's not really working for us. Yeah. Um so if we're not intentional then then it's going to consume us or or we're going to have to throw the whole thing out entirely and then we lose the value of it. Like there is value in this. There is value in being able to to connect with and keep up with people, um, who we don't live next door to. So like, I just want to be able to harness that value and, and actually have these social connections, um, without being consumed by all the, the things that, that get our brains running in all these different directions. So that's my plea. Um, you know, we haven't been talking for too long, um, which is, A pleasant, pleasant surprise for us.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I would cap off with maybe just a few of my summary points, you know, listening to so much of this. And uh, one would, I I got three things. One thing, A, we wanted to just be able, we talk about how we're on Twitter at the end of every single episode. We just wanted to be able to be, To be able to say that or not say that and have you guys know in the ever change, I I like what Brent said, the Twitter-sized elephant in the room, right? Just to be able to address that and say, we're on social media in a lot of spaces. Bayma's on Facebook. Um, Bayma's on Twitter. Um, I'm on Instagram. Like we're in these spaces. We like to utilize social media for what it's good for. I'd like to get on some more spaces, not because I'm trying to build a platform, but because one of my greatest passions is college students. And I don't utilize my YouTube in enough of the right way. And I don't, I'm not on TikTok. And these are some of the ways that a particular generation is engaging. So you'll probably see me. Not only, like, it'll kind of feel counterintuitive. Don't you just blast social media? Yeah, I want to be in the social media mix, using it in helpful ways. We want to be there, using it in helpful ways, being fully aware of all of the unhelpful ways that these things just pull at us and pull at us and pull at us. So my second thing would be um, to that end, we actually made a new uh, hire at Impact Campus Ministries recently. Her name is Shakoa, Shakoa Donaldson. We hired her as our new media arts coordinator. And she, you know, Brent Brent is our communications coordinator. She works with Brent. uh, And part of what she does is manages our social media accounts. So we hope that in the months to come, we'll be doing more work and definitely, she's better. She's been, right now. I'm running those. Marty is running those accounts. Um, Impacts run by Sarah, but she's Shakoa has now taken that over, and all those other Bayma accounts and my accounts are all run by me. But she's going to help me start running a lot of those accounts. So if you if you see a better quality of content and social media usage, if you see if you feel like there's a different voice, I think that's the right way to say that. Um, that comes through every now and then because Shakoa is helping us run those spaces. So we'll introduce you to her and the Mom Messenger, probably coming up here in a month or two. And uh, you'll get to meet her and who she is. She's really, really good at her job. Very good at the work she does. And then the, the third thing that I would say is I think that this actually serves as a great example for the poll we started with earlier, Brent, if you didn't mind me calling us back. If we did content similar to Like I'm assuming there's some people sitting here going, why am I listening to this on the Bayma podcast? Well, A, it's super relevant to our Bayma podcast, but it's also super relevant to just life. And Brent literally just quoted the principle of knowing when to say enough. So this stuff is like relevant (laughs) relevant to application of what it means to live a life of faith. Social media is not irrelevant to that. So if if we were to do conversations like this, do you like it in a feed just like this? Uh, that would be a, this would be a great example of the kind of thing we're talking about. Bonus episodes that pop up that are about, you know, different kinds of conversations. This would be a great example of the kind of thing we were talking about at the front end of the episode. Would you say that's true, Brent? Would you? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Because this was definitely a different, a, a not usual bonus episode for Bema. And it's a good example of the kinds of things that we would have fun with. Uh, in the future. So how, how would you like to see it?
0: Well, and I feel like it's the kinds of things that like filled session four, like how, how do all of these cities with all of their contexts, like they live where they live. They can't change that. Like the world is a certain way where they are. And for us, the world is a world of social media. We are surrounded by social media, whether we actively, like some people don't even have social media accounts. But you can't escape it because other people are talking about what they've seen on social media. The news is driven by social media. Like there's just it is everywhere, and so how do we properly engage it? That's right. And the, there's not really there's not a clear answer. But if we don't wrestle with it, if we don't talk about it, then then we we don't have any influence. Yep, one hundred percent.
1: All right, Brent. I think that's pretty good. Anything
0: else we're missing? Well, as you know, if you want to <laughs> get a hold of Marty. <laughs> You can uh, find him on Twitter I'm oh Marty Solomon. I'm at EIBCB. I'm also on Mastodon. I'll throw my Mastodon invite link in there. If anyone's like, "What's Mastodon?" It's kind of like a Twitter thing. It's it's definitely nerdier. It's not really. It's not very well polished at this point. Like it is. It is not a drop-in replacement for Twitter. But it's the the themes of what it is are very. You know, you'll be familiar with that if
1: you're if you're into Twitter. But
0: um, Bay yeah. Ma's not so, on
1: Mastodon yet.
0: No. But yep. yeah, uh, there's, we're not on TikTok. We're not on a lot of things yet, but we're, we're right. looking at all of them. So, yep. and hopefully with Shakoa's help, we'll, we'll be way more intentional about where we are and, and what we're doing on each of those things. So 100%. very excited to have Shakoa. Uh, I have tons of links um, for different articles that I referenced as I was um, monologuing today. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you can find all that at com. Thanks for joining us on the Baymott Podcast. We will talk to you again soon.